Good afternoon. <laughs> How is everyone doing? Are you having a good time so far? Is God speaking to you? Are you happy? Okay, good. Well, I am so happy to be here. And so before I begin, I just want to take a moment to thank Stala for believing in me and for allowing me to be a part of this and for putting together this incredible conference. So I want us to put our hands together, yes, and really appreciate Stala. All right, are you ready for the word? Okay, let me open in prayer, and then we'll get straight into the message, okay? So Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for each and every woman gathered here today. I ask God that you would speak powerfully to our hearts over the next few minutes. I ask for your presence to be in this place. And I ask God that you would come and that you would refresh us and that you would transform us by your word and by your love. In Jesus' name, and everybody said aloud. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are going to begin today in the very first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles with you, that's great. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. You can write down the scripture and then when you go home, you can have a read through it. Okay. So as Christine said, Matthew chapter one talks about the genealogy or the family tree of Jesus. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't particularly enjoy reading genealogies in the Bible, okay? I mean, half the time I can't pronounce their names, and the rest of the time I have no idea who they are. And so a lot of the times I tend to skip over those bits. However, I love the genealogy of Jesus, and here's why. So if you read genealogies in the Old Testament, you will realize that only the men were mentioned in the genealogies. So you would have the son, the father, the grandfather, the great-grandfather, and so on. Women were never included in Jewish genealogies. But in Matthew chapter 1, for the very first time, you have a group of women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And what's really, really amazing is that if you read the stories about these particular women that are mentioned, you will realize that they were not perfect women, okay? They were not Proverbs 31 type women, okay? These women were messed up. These women were promiscuous. These women were far from perfect. But I love that God chose to include them in the family tree of his very own son. Why did he do that? Two reasons. Firstly, Jesus came to the earth to uphold women. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Jesus came to include us. He came to give us value and he came to give us worth. And secondly, I believe that God was trying to give us a message that it doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been. His work in our lives will not be limited by our past sins or by our present weaknesses or failures. I mean, how incredible is that? 
So we see in the genealogy of Jesus and really all through the Bible that God was always in the habit of picking and choosing ordinary women to do extraordinary things. And so I want to talk to you today about one of my all-time favorite women in the Bible. Okay, I actually heard a teaching on this woman's life many years ago when I first got saved. And it completely wrecked my heart. I mean, I felt like I identified with her character and I was so moved by her story. And so we are going to go through some scripture together and we are going to look at the life of Mary Magdalene or Magdalene, however you wish to pronounce it. So if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter eight, we're going to read verses one to three onwards. So this is actually the first mention of Mary Magdalene in the gospel of Luke. All right. So this is what the Bible says. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. Look at your neighbor and say, yikes. Verse 3, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So let's go back to verse 2. It says, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now we know from reading the Gospels that Mary was a prostitute, which means she was an outcast in society. So this woman, she knew rejection, she knew shame, she knew loneliness, she knew what it was to be used and abused. She probably had never experienced true love or intimacy because of her lifestyle. And in addition to all of this, she was also severely demon-possessed. So every single day was filled with turmoil, torment in her mind, and just complete chaos. So she was ostracized. She was possessed. She was depressed. I mean, she was a broken woman. Are you able to see that? Yes? Are you able to see the extent of her brokenness? And then one day, she hears about this man called Jesus. She hears stories of how he speaks with authority and how he preaches with power and how he calms the storms and heals the sick and even raises the dead. And then she finds out that this man, Jesus, is in her town How many of you know that in that moment, Mary had a choice to make? Hide behind her walls of brokenness, immorality, shame, and continue in her destructive lifestyle? Or expose herself, expose her heart, remove her mask, and show herself to this man who could possibly change her life. See, Mary 
was at a crossroad and her choice would determine her destiny. See, this is the part of her story that we can all identify with. We all know what it is to be in that place where we come face to face with our fears, with our shame, with our insecurities, with our pretenses, with our unbelief. But we need to realize that just like Mary, when we come face to face with these things, that we too are standing at a crossroad. And the choices that we make in those moments will not only unlock our destiny, but impact our journey towards our destiny as well. I wrote this down. As believers, the ability to choose is the most spiritual act that we will ever engage in. I'm going to say that again. As believers, our ability to choose is the most spiritual act that we will ever engage in. There is always a choice. Fear or faith. Life or death, hope or hopelessness, forgiveness or bitterness, hiddenness or transparency. Look at your neighbor and say, there is always a choice. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, this is what the Bible says. Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So you have God over here. Loving, tender, kind-hearted father. And he's walking towards Adam and Eve. And in that moment, Adam and Eve had a choice to make. Run to God despite their sin, despite their shame, despite their nakedness. Or run from him and hide from his presence. See, our natural tendency is to do that. When we are faced with things, we run in the opposite direction and we hide from God and from people. We cover ourselves in fig leaves and we try to cope. We try to deal with the situation by ourselves. Because, let's be honest, sometimes it's so much easier to stay where we are and to hide who we are. It takes courage to change, right? It takes courage to step out. It takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to remove our masks and show God and show people who we really are and what we're really dealing with. It's not always easy, right? But my prayer for us today is that when we are faced with that choice, hiddenness, or openness, that we would choose to respond like Mary. And so we're going to pick up her story again in Luke chapter 7. Now, Bible scholars tell us that the unnamed woman in Luke 7 is in fact Mary Magdalene. So let's read from verse 36 onwards. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she had a choice to make. What does she choose? 
She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Do you think that that was an easy thing for Mary to do? People knew who she was. I mean, she was labeled as a sinner in the city. But see, Mary had a revelation. She was aware of the state of her heart. And she was aware of her need for a savior. And so she chose to run to Jesus and expose her heart to him. And I love, I absolutely love how Jesus responds back to her vulnerability. So let's read from verse 39 onwards. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, in other words, he was thinking to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. There's that label again. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 dirhams and the other 50 dirhams. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he freely, say freely, forgave them both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil in my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because she was a sinner. Verse 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. That word saved in the Greek is the word sozo. It's a wholeness word. It means nothing missing, nothing lacking anymore. And then he says to her, go in peace. Why? Because she had lived a life of torment. You know, growing up, I always believed that... When I did good, God was happy with me. But when I did bad, oh man, his happiness would turn into extreme displeasure and disappointment in me. I mean, I would literally see his smile turn into a frown. And so I would strive to be good, but every time I messed up, I would be so overcome with these feelings of rejection and disconnection from God. But how many of you know that that is not at all what God is like? 
The problem is we view God through lenses based on our upbringing and our authority figures and our own life experiences. And so we have all these misconceptions of who God really is. We think that he's distant. We think that he's disappointed. We think that he's disconnected when we are dealing with our stuff. When in reality, he absolutely isn't. That's why it's so important for us to be women of the word and learn who God really is and learn what he's really like. Did you see how Jesus responded to Mary when she came to him? He didn't turn her away. He wasn't shocked at her state. He didn't rebuke her first and then forgive her after. He received her wholeheartedly. And he restored her completely. You need to know this. God's heart is always for you, no matter what season you are in. Will you remember that? Look at your neighbor and say, God's heart is always for you, no matter what season you are in. Good job, you guys. (laughs) You know, that one act of worship and surrender completely changed Mary. It changed her life. It changed her outlook on life. I mean, it changed her destiny. And if you go on to read her story, you will realize that after that moment, after that encounter with Jesus, she would literally follow him everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Not only had he given her new life, but he had become her life. He had become her everything. And so we're going to pick up her story one last time in John chapter 20. So this is after the death of Jesus. So John chapter 20 and verse 1, this is what the Bible says. Now on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So Peter and John, they run to the tomb. They look inside and they see that Jesus is not there. Verse 10, then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. Jesus was her home. Jesus was her life. Where does she go from here? And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Say, O-M-G. Say, (laughs) O-M-G. Sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around. I want you to think about this with me. Mary was having a conversation with 
heavenly beings. I mean, she was in the presence of angels. And the Bible says that she talked to them and then she turned around. Why did she do that? See, Mary was not looking for a spiritual experience. Mary was looking for Jesus. He was the only one her heart was seeking after. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. He says her name. She turned and said to him, Teacher. Verse 17. Now this is the verse that always wrecks my heart. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus says to Mary, I am ascending. In other words, I am right now in the process of ascending to my father. You need to catch this. Jesus was about to perform the greatest act in all of human history. And he interrupts that plan because of Mary. Because once again, she has come before him, just like in the Pharisee's house, weeping, needing him and vulnerable. And so he comes to her and he ministers to her right in the middle of his Ascension. (laughs) This right here, this is the God that you serve. This is the God that you belong to. He sent his one and only son for you, and he will move heaven and earth for you. Do you know that? He will start. He will interrupt anything that he needs to interrupt to minister to a heart. That is fully surrendered to him. Not only does he come and minister to her, but he commissions her as well. He says, go, go and tell my disciples what you've seen. Go and tell my disciples what I've told you. You know, it always amazes me that the first person that Jesus chose to appear to was Mary. Not his disciples, but Mary. This woman, this ex-prostitute who was in the habit of laying her heart bare before God. If he did it for Mary, he'll do it for us. If we choose him, he will come to us. And so I want to encourage you today, whatever you are facing, whether it is sin, insecurity, shame, Sickness in your body, fear of lack, fear of the future, disappointment, relationship issues, apathy, purposelessness. I mean, whatever it is, I want to encourage you today to make a commitment that you will respond like Mary. 
I want us to make a commitment today that no matter what season we are in and no matter what life throws at us, that we will be women who daily, daily run to God in the place of worship, in the place of prayer, and in the place of surrender. Let me tell you something. It won't always be easy, but it will always be rewarding. Because I believe that Just like Mary, we will so captivate the heart of God when we choose him, when we choose trust, when we choose transparency. He will come to us and he will minister to us. He will unlock our destiny and he will give us everything that we need in order to live this life well. Do you believe that? All right. I want you to put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. And then I'll be done. So Father, I thank you once again for every single woman gathered here today. I ask God that you would make us women of worship, women of courage, and women of surrender. We want to set aside time every single day, God, to meet with you and to hear from you. We want to live lives free from shame and free from fear. We want to live lives that are full of joy and full of purpose. So we ask God that you would teach us. Teach us to trust you and teach us to trust people as we journey through this life. Give us grace today, God, to surrender everything that we need to surrender. We say that we choose you, God. Tell him, I choose you, God. We choose your ways and we choose your will for our lives. Let today be the start of a new day and a new season for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Speak to 
We are open, Lord God, to, to all the changes that are needed to soften hearts. And God, for those of us who don't know you as a father, I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to each person individually. 